Welcome to the Tribe Agile Podcast, a forum for agile enthusiasts and freelancers. I'm Chantal Janor, Tribe's Community Manager. No matter where you are in the world, the agile market is booming. Not only are there lots of great jobs available, but there's also a world of opportunity for people who want to stay independent. Our goal is to introduce you to the people who are making agile work for them, to grow small businesses, or to launch their own Agile coaching and training companies. Want to learn how to make Agile work for you? Stick with us for today's episode of the Tribe Agile Podcast. Today, I talk with Sanjay Singh, who is based in India. Sanjay has over 20 years experience in IT, 12 of those have been focused on Agile. Prior to this, Sanjay has worked as a business analyst before transitioning into a global agile consultant role and has led transformations resulting in over 100% ROI within the span of 12 to 15 months. Sanjay has worked both as an external as well as an internal consultant to the organizations he has served by helping them to adopt agile ways of working. Today, Sanjay works with the Society Generale a global investment bank as an outcome-based enterprise agile coach. We'll talk about what exactly that means and how that coaching model has contributed to his success in his agile career. We'll also talk about BizDev Ops mother-based business agility and how that can be useful to other agilists across the world. Sanjay, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Chantel, for having me here. And it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Awesome. So let's get started. With all the craziness over the past two years, how have you been dealing with the post-pandemic after effects, that is, transitioning back to regular life? Yes, of course, COVID had been one of the most difficult times for our generation, Chantel. Uh, what it helped me to realize on and off is that the world automatically becomes one common place for togetherness during such difficult times. Uh, there were equal sufferings we could see everywhere in the world. Uh, my condolences to the people who lost and suffered during the pandemic. I'm glad it's all over for uh, our beautiful world. And what I'm looking forward to and have already started enjoying to take up, you know, that magical physical whiteboard whenever, you know, I go to the office because it's a hybrid work environment. And in the meeting rooms, so mostly I like to, you know, sit in the meeting rooms, either with my coaching staff or, you know, with my coachy teams or coaches. But, you know, I mean, I can take up that whiteboard and do my workshops and facilitations rather than being doing it, you know, in the virtual manner. So that's one thing, uh, you know, I, I have started doing it because, you know, talking face to face is definitely something I've realized I missed it uh, during the pandemic. Also talking and knowing more on the personal side exchanging views on the personal side with my audience is helping me to relax and enjoy my work with my stakeholders. So that's mostly on the psychological side, but yeah, I mean, I'm relishing, you know, doing it after a gap of almost two years. Yes, I think all agilists across the world really miss being in the same space with their teams and that whiteboard experience yeah. with the post-its and the sharpies. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's a, a, a unanimous feeling that most agilists yeah. probably are feeling now that we're moving back into our new normal. So 
So Absolutely. the number of agilists across the world has been growing and everyone has had a unique journey. Could you share with us your first discovery of agile? What were you doing and how did it change you? In fact, this is quite funny, Chantal. So I would start first on the uh, personal side and then obviously I will talk on the professional side. So I encountered agility or should I say non-agility way back uh, when I was not even aware of agile. And yeah, definitely agile wasn't around at that point of time. I was around 12 years old kid in the late 1980s uh, in one of the Indian towns. And I had somehow painfully negotiated with my mother, you know, coming from a middle class family to get at that new brand uh, geometry instrument box, you know, uh, coming from Camlin. Camlin used to produce it uh, during those days. For me, it was a superb deal at that point of time and during those times. Uh, so I went to the best, best school accessory shop in my hometown with my mother and told the shop person to give me that uh, blue colored geometry instrument box. And to my horror, the shop person replied that the manufacturer, the Camblin, has stopped producing uh, that blue-colored uh, geometry box. And the only color they are producing these days is orange. But I only wanted the blue-color uh, geometry box. So I kept on arguing with the shop person until my mother <laughs> told me to shut up. But nevertheless, I noted down the Camblin's India phone contact number and came back from the shop very dejectedly without actually going for, you know, the orange colored box. And after coming back, I tried calling that number from the landline, but the mentioned number didn't work. It was quite usual during those times, you know, the number mentioned didn't work. There were no emails at that point of time. And I was really very upset with Camlin and, you know, cursed them heavily that why, why do they produce only one color of the uh, geometry box and why they are not contactable. So I was quite disturbed with this, you know, feedback loop not being getting closed. You know, I mean, I had certain complaints, but nowhere I could reach out to the manufacturers. Uh, so this whole episode resided within my memory as an anecdote of non-agility rather than agility. You know, uh, so that's that was my first encounter with non-agility. And after that, when I was working in UK in 2010, I was, uh, you know, going through my two days agile training course. And that's where I came, came up with these, you know, uh, values and principles of agile manifesto. And I was going through them for the first time in my life. Then I could connect back with these memories, you know, way back in late 1980s, uh, what happened to me as a 12-year-old kid. And it helped me to appreciate and understand the agility in a much, much better way. So the point I'm trying to make here is that my understanding of agility was happening in the contrasting background of non-agility, what I went through as a child. And I think that really made me understand the beauty of agile. So those were my first uh, initial thoughts on uh, agility. In terms of professional life, uh, my first encounter was way back in 2010 when I was working as a lead business analyst for a client in Birmingham in UK. And we were doing a waterfall project and myself and my two BAs, uh, you know, were assigned to write some use cases because it was waterfall. We did finish writing those beautiful hundred odd use cases. And that's when my project manager came and uh, you know said, Sanjay, sorry, but uh, we'll be going agile. So uh, you guys will be going through two days uh, agile training course from next week. I said, 
uh, no, you're kidding. What happens to use cases? Because I've heard use cases don't fit into agile ways of working. He said, no, I mean, you go through the training and after that, you'll be able to figure it out and you'll be able to, you know, convert these use cases into user stories. So it was a very hilarious conversation, but nevertheless, I did go through the training with my BAs. We ended up learning some sort of agile and I was also made a proxy product owner for one of the teams. So I think it was quite a learning. It was quite an experience and not beyond that. That's what I would say. But yeah, talking about uh, this specific experience, I think I had my couple of aha moments during this first learning journey. First one was around uh, respect for people. You know, whether it's the producers or the consumers, so whether it is the team who is building up or, you know, it's the business who is sponsoring, I could see respect for both of them from both the sides. Like the business folks used to come to our workplace, the campus where we used to sit, and they used to spend two full days in a week's time. So they used to sit with us, around us, you know, even the testers or the developers could go to them, you know, rather than just dependent on me and they could, you know, you clear out their queries or, you know, they could show them whatever they have built, the UI part, and talk to them. So I think I liked it because I, as a business analyst or a proxy PO, wasn't the bottleneck. They had other folks to talk to. So I think that was a great example of respect business directly working with the development team. Secondly, I found this whole concept of agile being done in iterations and increment really, really awesome. And what I love the most is that this learning is that iteration is predominantly for learning purpose and experimentation purpose and increment is predominantly for earning purpose so you keep on doing your iterations until that time you have learned enough so that you are confident that yes i can go to the market and you know i mean put my product on the shelf and it can give me the earning so i like this philosophy rather than waiting for you know an year to you know and do some earning so yeah these were some of my aha moments and uh, thanks for asking this question because it rekindles a lot of memories from my childhood days thank you Yes, you're welcome, Sanjay. I think it's been a very interesting journey indeed. And I think now that you have matured as an agile coach, you're now creating your own BizDevOps model that's focused on business agility and you're bringing new things to the table just to the whole world of agile. So I'm even more excited that we're having this conversation today. So you call yourself an outcome-based agile coach. You know, tell us more about what this coaching model is and how you found it beneficial. Sure, Shendon. So the foundation of this outcome-based coaching model is inspired from uh, starting with why, uh, thanks to Simon Sinek. And the rest of the motivation comes from the output outcome impact philosophy. And thanks to Jeff Patton for this, because I learned uh, this in one of his product owner classes. So in any transformation or coaching engagement, whether at team or program or portfolio or enterprise, whatever level it is, one should start with why while setting up the objectives with the sponsors and management. So rather than bombarding them with, look, you know, we have brought Scrum to you, we have brought Kanban to you, we have got around, you know, 30 assessment practices and based on that, we will help you to be agile. In my experience of last 10 years of coaching and last 12 to 13 years in the field of agility, a lot of effort goes into it with very less ROI coming out of it in terms of interest level or actioning from the sponsors or the management. This nudged me that, yeah, there has to be another way rather than starting from practices or outputs. Let's start with the language, what 
management says and management understands or what the product management likes to understand and that's when i said okay i mean uh, let's you know start from outcome not from the practices or outputs and that was you know the genesis of outcome based engagement or outcome based coaching model so what i used to do is like okay you have the options of these you know industrialized outcomes whether you call it as production stability or quality or user experience uh, employee satisfaction revenue earnings or cost efficiency uh, you pick what are the top 3 or 4 outcomes you want to achieve in this year or uh, let's talk about your okrs objectives and key results what you have uh, set up for your organization for this year you know whether as a program manager or a, a unit head and rather than me preaching you about practices obviously for which you should not be too much interested in i will try to understand what are your outcomes and objectives you are interested in and i will help you understand how agile practices would be helping you and then we will create some acceptance criteria around it and we will start from outcome we'll start measuring outcome first and then we will start focusing on means of the outcomes and then obviously we'll measure it at an output level but we'll have our governances we'll have our matrix around the outcome level and whenever you feel that your definition of done is done uh, then obviously you know we can move on to the next outcome so this helped me to engage with my unit heads or portfolio managers beyond these uh, you know budgets or timelines of transformation because this is a continual process you know i mean every year you will have some okrs and outcomes it need not be that okay i work with on all of the outcomes with you it might be that hey sanjay i mean just work on the cost efficiency and the production stability this year that's or or in this quarter and i come up with whatever i could do so as an example one of my unit had said that he wants to uh, optimize the cost so you know and get to the cost efficiency objective of his and his organization so i said all right you need not worry about the practices but just to talk about it possibly you know i mean we can do value stream identification and optimization using lean practices so yes uh, you know we will you give me your value streams or value chains and we will see how much optimization we can do by doing this value stream identification and efficiency exercise that's one possibly we will see and evaluate your teams you can give me your candidate teams and see uh you know how much automation we can do in terms of test automation or let's say uh, you know deploying the ci pipeline so that we do away with the manual work obviously that will give us some efficiency and then obviously there could be some other agile practices or you know it might be some design thinking practices in terms of decision making we could deploy all of that what it helped me shandel is that i could buy in the interest the motivation and actioning from the top management which otherwise you know they used to complain that they don't understand anything what is coming out of assessment uh, of the teams by the coaches so i think one of the unit had also said that uh, sanjay it seems like now we are partnering with each other and that was a huge huge uh, you know statement from uh, that gentleman because it felt good you know that we coaches are no longer the guests who come from you know let's say time one to time two and go away when the budget is over it's it seems like you know now we are partnering with their okrs rather than you know working on my agile based okrs or my agile practices so yeah that's that's the whole concept of uh, outcome based uh, engagement or outcome based coaching model uh, shantel wow i really like your perspective sanjay because i think throughout any agile transformation the organization is most interested in what will be delivered and how it's going to impact the bottom line for that organization focusing on that outcome based approach 
is quite important. I'm, I'm very appreciative of what you've shared so far. Yeah, thank you. Right. So if we're going to jump over now to understanding the BizDevOps model based at Business Agility, could you tell us what that is and how best is it utilized? Sure. So again, I'm very passionate about this model because, uh, you know, I kept on doing this and something happened and, you know, again, it was an aha moment and I said, yeah, I mean, let's name it as BizDevOps model. So for me, it's a very powerful tool, which I used to instill uh, the business agility while working with business teams, the IT development teams and business operation teams. When I say business operations, these are the, you know, the back office and the middle office teams. Now, these could be within any value stream or value chain. I pick up any value chain, you know, and then, you know, we sort of see the, the way they are organized and then put these three things, the business people, the IT people and the operations people in one box. So I call it in the box, though I was stolen it from the IBM. Whatever we will think and execute and deliver, we'll do it in togetherness. So that's the whole philosophy. The model advocates design thinking tools in order to converge and decide on the right problem statement. So is this problem statement going to, you know, give us enough revenue or is it workable? You know, is it going to be usable? So we use those tools to figure it out. Then lean startup tools to decide on the right MVP based solution. So yes, we have the right problem statement, but do we have the right solution to solve this problem statement? So that's where Lean Startup comes. And yeah, when we are convinced that the MVP is going to you know, help us do well in the market, then we try to industrialize and experiment and customize using the Scrum way of working. So it's design thinking plus Lean Startup plus Scrum in terms of tool sets. And it also helps of, to deliver innovations from end to end, right from ideation to production. I think the way it started was I did a workshop with three in the box where, you know, all my stakeholders were there, the business, the IT and the operations. And I think the problem statements they brought up is one is the predictability, which business said they don't get the predictability from the IT folks that when they are features, they will be able to, you know, get to use or get to uh, share it with the end clients. And then the throughput, they said, I mean, we sort of conceive these features five months back, sometimes six months back, and it takes around six to seven months to get to the production. And obviously, because you could see, I mean, you know, there is a there is a banking end client and there are front office, you know, obviously IT teams work with the middle office and back office, and then it goes to the IT teams for delivery. So it used to take this much time. So I had my problem statements that yes, you know, in terms of organization, I have three in the box. In terms of tools, I have design thinking and lean startup and obviously Scrum. But in terms of, you know, I mean, solving these two problem statements, I need to have some uh, tenets, some, 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 uh, you know, working agreements between these three entities so that they are focused on one common thing as their objective and they deliver it together. So some of the key tenets of BizDevOps model, I would say, is respecting the product owner, but also going beyond the product owner. So we respect that there is a product owner for each of the feature teams. But then if we want to have real business agility, we have to have engagement with other business users or the super users, you know, the other decision makers as well. So we call them also during the ideation time or when we decide to pivot or perceiver, I'll talk about it uh, later on. Or when we, you know, I mean, go for acceptance phase, we need to, you know, go beyond PO. 
so whether they are from operations or a strategy but yeah we need to go beyond po as well so we are increasing the width of business participation and engagement so that that was one of the key philosophies executive leaders have to get their hands dirty which means that just sponsoring the initiative or transformation is not enough you have to be with your people you know in doing certain activities for example deciding on the priority of the right problem statements because everyone is contributing towards the problem statements or opportunity statements now who decides what are the most right ones because there is only so much time in this world so how do we see that okay we pick up x number of problem statements to work in next quarter and obviously leadership has to own this and decide this they can't delegate it to you know the teams who are building the mvps to decide on this so that was you know one of the key functionalities of the leadership team in fact uh, when i did it my first pilot with this there was a huge whiteboard and you know i mean uh, we used to put up these problem statements as a you know visioning in the visioning template and then these guys used to stand up every wednesday for 30 minutes go through it and then you know ask some questions and then say okay we will deprioritize this and prioritize this and these were the unit heads from it and the business who were doing this so uh, that was one good change because i wanted these guys to come out in the team space and stand with the team and work on the, work on this also uh, they need to be engaged on you know assessing the feedbacks which comes as a result of doing the mvps so Uh, mvps have been done and we have gotten some feedbacks let's say using opportunity canvas from jeff patton or any interviewing template and then who needs to decide that we should pivot or persever on this solution so again that difficult task has been you know i mean um, i have suggested in this model that it has to be done by the leadership so you get the feedbacks you push them for the feedbacks and you decide whether we should pivot or persever and another tenet is design thinking tools act as a glue between it and the business most of the times what i hear is from the business is that sanjay the it teams treat us like football that yeah i mean yeah there is a problem but yeah you go by go to this team a and then team a will say yeah go to team d and team d will say go to team b so we are frustrated with that number one number two they talk the language sanjay which which uh, you know i don't understand they talk about schemas and flags you know and database tables and the it folks used to tell that sanjay the business doesn't understands how much we are working you know we are slogging to re- put it into the production but they are just after us and they are never happy i intended to create a common focus common language and design thinking was that glue because people can come together ideate brainstorm converge and you know using lean startup some of the business folks themselves you know participated in the prototyping because most of the times we use no code prototyping i think again talking in person and you know face to face beyond hierarchies i think it helps the motivation and i think that's what brings the innovation and talking about the innovation the last tenet i use innovation innovation based accounting so the metrics were more on experimentation and innovation rather than you know i mean the efforts or elapsed time the feedback which i got from hr is in fact it was helping in the reducing the attrition within this program as well because this program was going through the attrition and you know that's the feedback which i got from the hr as well because that's what innovation can do it can do wonders to the motivation of the people because they are building the new things they are trying out the new things i think innovation it ha- and then when i did more and more experimentations with other units other programs i think i could see that it helped to build up an innovation based culture in the organization
Wow, that's pretty comprehensive, Sanjin. Very impressive in how you've been able to find useful intersection points for both the business and IT to come together and have those productive conversations that is needed for innovation to happen and that's needed for an agile transformation to be successful. So kudos to you and all you've done so far. Thank you. So you've been a part of many transformations and you may have seen that there are lots of people out there who are just checking the box on Agile. They're doing the training, they're making changes. But what is it that the people you are working with are trying to accomplish with Agile? Yeah, very interesting question, Shendel. Um, here are my views on different permutation and combinations of the way Agile is being coached and the way Agile is being adopted. So the most dysfunctional and common, unfortunately, what I have seen is doing Agile. And I think this is one classical way in which the management also gets pulled upon that, yeah, my team is Agile, Sanjay. What else you could bring onto the table for us? So doing Agile... Uh, in my view, is just about how do we get to agile or how do we become agile? You know, I mean, using agile as a noun, not as an adjective, right? So it's it's an it's some object, you know, and we get to that object. So what are the mechanisms? You know, it just talks about the how part. So it might be, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we just need to finish the stand up in fifteen minutes, retrospective in thirty minutes, right? Because some coach has told that yeah, these these are the events it has to be done. Possibly we need to ask these three questions only. What did I do yesterday? What I'm going to do today? And do I have any blockers in my standups? Right? But teams don't customize this based on the situations and the context. Right? If there's let's say there's a lot of dependency within the team and you know people are not helping each other, possibly they can customize by asking these questions. That okay. Uh, let's start with what are the blockers for today who has the bandwidth to help who needs help right so you bring in the culture of exchanging help within the team by asking these questions otherwise you know with the standard questions you are creating that competition so the point i'm trying to make is i mean if you just are doing agile by the book agile based on what a coach has told you some five years back and you keep on doing it, then you are just doing it and you are, you know, in a fairy land that we are, we are agile, but that's not how it has to be done. And that's not how, you know, you are respecting the values and principles of agility. And that brings me to talk about the second permutation and combination of agile, which is about being agile. So I think in my view, it is about what is agile. So, yeah, I mean, it is about those core four values and 12 principles. You start with the core, the values and principles, which means you can come out with your own hundreds of practices. So this is the difference here. Earlier, I mean, the team is getting stuck with the you know fixed number of practices because they are just doing agile. But when you are being agile, when you understand the essence and when you understand, you know, from where it is flowing out, you can customize the practices the way you need within your team based on the problems and the needs. And that's being agile. So you can have your own practices. You can keep on changing it. You can you can have your retrospectives on the culture side rather than, you know, I mean, just being focused on what went well and what didn't go well. I keep on giving this example to the teams that if you know that, you know, the patient is in ICU, you don't try to do first aid to the patient, right? Because you know what's the problem. So let's focus on that. So similarly, if in retrospective, you know that for last five sprints, you are having sprint spillovers. So you, you don't pretend to talk about what went well, what didn't go well and action attempts. I mean, straight away you say, hey, I mean, you know, this retrospective, we are going to talk about this opportunity statement. How do we ensure that 
we have lesser sprint spillovers from next time and let's talk about it what we can do right so that's the being agile where you know uh, you come up with the practices which is aligned with your needs and this itself is agility because you're not fixed on certain practices you know you 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 change it based on you know your needs and context whether it is from process perspective or product perspective and thirdly which is my favorite is the again outcome based agile so you know this is something which is seeded within me so i like to start from this permutation which is outcome based agile that why agile so this is where you know i nudge my sponsors my managers and my adopters that what okay our objective it will help us to fulfill let's talk about it why why do we do agile and i believe this is what sponsors and businesses want so in my view i think if we have this one which is uh, doing agile to being agile and three is why agile i start not from left to right but i start from right to left which means i start with why agile then you know obviously i'll get to the being agile because it is easier for the people to be agile if they understand why agile and possibly they stay there i mean they can go back to the doing agile and you know come back to the being agile but i think i would follow the arabic way of you know doing this which is left to right i would take right to left why agile being agile and doing agile and that's what i do i mean you know when i talk about outcome based engagement you know with my with my with my doers and it has really helped me because i think i don't have to struggle through as much as my other peers are struggling with the sponsors and the management because i talk their language i start from why agile nice i said I really agree with your perspective on just making agile practical for your environment. Sometimes we pursue the theory of what is supposed to look like so hard that we miss the practicality and the flexibility that agile gives us to really make it work for our organizations and our environment. So I can appreciate your perspective on how you've been able to do that successfully. Yeah, sure. And just want to add one more point here, Chantal, if you allow me. So in order to help my stakeholders focus on outcome based agile which is why agile i you know have come up with a matrix which is called as output outcome impact and culture so i call it as oic again i mean the output outcome impact i have taken it from jeff patton's thought process but yeah, i have brought in my culture stuff so uh, you know we we measure outputs we balance it with outcome we come up with impact but then what's the culture you know what's the organizational change it is bringing in so that's how we do our governance you know based on this why agile because i just don't want to start with it and lose it in you know in the translation but then i want to keep on talking about this at the team or program or portfolio level with this matrix and also talking about outcomes i use my own business case template to drive this which is a 2 by 2 quadrant based outcome modeling tool and it helps me to help my teams you know so this is with the teams uh, you know where i help them to say that hey yeah if we are doing these agile practices how is it going to help us to achieve cost efficiency or rework reduction or production stability or improve nps scores so they can clearly see that what's the mandate saved because of automation or what's the mandate saved because of using uh, xp technical practices and again it helps me to you know take their minds from outputs to outcomes to impacts so yeah that's that's the you know beauty of starting and being put up in this why agile channel nicely said nicely said so you've been in the agile world for a number of years and i can appreciate that as you're maturing 
you are also creating <laughs> and you're using your experience to determine how you approach future agile transformations. But, you know, with the world of agile entrepreneurship becoming increasingly competitive, how do you actually stay fresh on the market to stand out against your peers? It was initially quite difficult for me, you know, to stay fresh and possibly stay relevant as well because it's been 10 years and it's quite a journey. And I believe that every coach has their own journey. And, you know, I can I can give suggestions, but possibly they have to go through their own journey for this self-learning. Because I, when I started, I was by the book coach. I went by the scrum guides. You know, I used to remember that, okay, page seven of the scrum guide says so. So let's do this. You know, I mean, that that was possibly the doing agile. But then, yeah, I mean, uh, so I think I might have worked with around 75 to 80 coaches by now in the last 10 years, both from India and abroad. And I think there has been quite a learning you know, from them, you know, some of them are, you know, the flow coaches or process coaches like me. Some of them are, you know, the craft coaches or technical coaches. Some of them were DevOps, right? And um, leadership coaches, product management coaches. So what I realized is that I think the continuous learning and experimentation, it helps to keep at least myself, you know, be motivated and uh, move forward always. Um, so just reading the books, just attending the conferences is not enough. Uh, you have to go back to the fields and, you know, have the courage to experiment with those things. And I think that's how I came up with BizDevOps model because there were no mandates, you know, there were no pressure, but I did something and, you know, something happened and I could, you know, put it into some template and it became a model. Similarly, the outcome-based engagement model was more the pain of a coach, you know, where sustainable agile wasn't working, right? Because I was stuck with being agile. I was not able to move forward to why agile. So I think all these were experimentations. You know, I've done experimentations with, you know, the leadership and psychological coaching modules, you know, the setting up you know, the sustenance center within my organization where we can, you know, do something about sustaining the agile. So all these are experiments which which I have done. But yeah, I can talk about certain things which has held is it is agile for me is actually a means to the outcomes or the impacts. That's my belief. So which means I keep on talking about outcomes, which I have been doing so much in this session also. So if there is another close cousin, cousin of agile, say design thinking or lean startup or total experience these days or product management, I am happy to learn, experiment with it and bring it under my tools umbrella to help my sponsors achieve their outcomes or OKR because they don't bother where they are, you know, from where these practices are coming. You know, they're just bothered for the definition of done of their outcomes. So. For me, I keep on experimenting with these means. I think that's one. And yeah, I'm an explorer and adventurist. I like to experiment with new facilitation techniques, new mentoring techniques, new coaching techniques and models. And it helps me to improve not only as a person, but as a coach, thus keeping me motivated. Like the leadership coaching, which I do, which is divided across five modules, I use a lot of transactional analysis and NLP-based uh, content to do it and while in order to do that impart it i myself have to you know go through some training programs so i'm second year dropout from ta but being in ta it really helped me you know to start experiencing myself before i you know preach it to the others or help them to experience so 
it helps me to improve as a person and then secondly as a coach again that keeps me motivated and then thirdly i think i like to work at different levels so i don't know what i should call myself because i equally enjoy working at team level uh, you know at program level if i can say you know safe or less i like to work at portfolio level using and playing with the tensions between okr and capacity based budgeting you know i love to do you know leadership coaching with my you know psychological based courses i have my own leadership modules and i like to, i love to work with product managers and product owners because i myself have been a product guy you know during my delivery days so i keep on changing this so i'm not just doing sort of you know launching agile release trains for last two years or no i mean i keep on changing that so i think that also keeps me afresh it helps me to also have a systemic view because i'm working at different levels and then i keep on doing different things as well like at times i will pick up the challenge that how do we do agile for sap implementation because that's different from java based or any other bespoke development how do we do a, the agility for bi how do we do agile with hr so i i work with my hr folks as well to help them you know i mean be more agile in terms of reducing their cycle time and i work with other stakeholders whether they are unit heads program managers project managers so i think this also keeps me engaged and you know gives me a different foods for thought yeah so using different tools templates practices working with different stakeholders you know pick up something which challenges you rather than just being you know happy with reading and preaching scrum guide i think yeah, all these things have played quite a big role in keeping me moving and motivated and still there are areas which i can feel that yes sanjay i mean you have to grasp them well you know before you can call yourself coach hope this helps to answer this question shantel yeah i think you've answered it pretty comprehensively and from what i've gathered i think you're focusing on just being open to agile as an umbrella framework to see you know what works where and to see where new things are emerging and how you can always you know be learning so you can always be experimenting so that you can always have a new perspective and a fresh approach to the different scenarios you may be faced in so two yeah. thumbs up and i hope you keep on keeping on with your learning yeah. and your development in the field yeah so i think the motto should be go beyond agile so just have don't have to be satisfied under the banner of agile saying that yeah uh, these are the only thing which i can learn via safe or scrum or kanban uh, go beyond it and see you know if it helps organizations to achieve agility or achieve their okrs yeah like okay. go beyond agile <laughs> that's nice So as with many professions out there you've been doing this agility thing for a number of years if you take an internal look to the external world where do you see the future of agile coaching well, the future is certainly bright so agile coaching would stay for all good reasons and just like any other profession you know as an example like testing is still a you know discipline possibly the testers might have reduced in numbers right or they might have adapted you know become automated testers similarly i think the agile coaching profession would very well stay here the agile coaches will have to adapt that's what i see and what i mean by adapt is i think yeah before that i want to say that the role of this agile coach you know should be recrystallized or should be renamed as coach agile because i believe 
any coach has to be coach first which means they have to you know understand empathize and work with the people around because at the end of the day everyone is human being so coach has to understand the human beings and then as a subject matter expertise they can bring in you know the agile as a noun or adjective you know preferably in my case it i take it as an adjective which is the state of mindset or state of mind so it has to be coach agile so that's how i see the profession of agility and i'd like to give an ag- analogy of pizza here agile coaches uh, you know uh, have to be people coach and human psychology coach first as their foundational skills uh, you know just like the robust base of pizza and then as a secondary skill set should focus and master on their agile subject matter expertise knowledge just like different toppings of the pizza so that's how i see this profession of coach agile happening i see this role evolving shantal into human psychology or empathy coaches uh, i'm seeing that humans have automated everything around them except for maximizing their own inherent human potential and this leads me to believe that going further agile coaches will transition into these human psychology coaches and what we call you know more popularly as od coaches organizational development coaches and in order to maximize the all round potential of humans within the organization and this could happen very well beyond agile for sure and that's the reason why you know i wish to name this role as coach agile and this is where some of the agile coaches have already forayed actually into mastering and utilizing few of social psychology tools like transaction analysis or neuro linguistic programming so yes the future is bright but we folks will have to adapt for sure completely agree i think you've done a good job in articulating where the opportunities lie so i know you're a very busy person sanjay and i really appreciate you spending time with me today as we wrap up this conversation i'd like to ask what's next for you is there anything coming up that we should look out from from you oh yes thanks for asking this shantel so uh, indeed i am working on two white papers currently uh, both of them i talked about here so uh, no prizes for guessing one is on align outcome based coaching model so i have named it as align because it helps me to balance the two extreme worlds of push based coaching Uh, versus pull based coaching so you know i mean this is quite popular in the coaching world that hey are you a push based coach by the book or you are pull based coach you go by the needs and context of your coaches and this conundrum always you know i mean sort of disturbed me that why we have to either pull or push anyways you know i mean coach is doing the work or coach is trying to get the work done could it be something that we align with our stakeholders you know so i have given this outcome based coaching model as align because here i am partnering with my partners and stakeholders based on their okrs and their outcomes not my agile based outcomes so that's how you know i have named this white paper as align outcome based coaching model and the other one obviously is on biz devops model for business agility where i am talking about this that how do you instill business agility if there are so much you know so much noise on business agility so how do we do that because i've done it in practice so i'm going to talk about some case studies and some metrics and some statistics around this and also i'm going to correlate this with the safe portfolio because what i am what what i'm doing with this biz devops model is pretty much how you know safe defines its portfolio so 
I'm going to talk about multiple use cases of this model, whether it is in terms of innovation that you, you know, sort of decentralize the innovation by taking it to the program and the team level. You don't have to have the centralized R&D and innovation team. That's one use case. Second is you can very well do this at a portfolio level, just like SAFE is doing it. And third is you do business agility and innovation using this. So, yeah, it's going to be quite uh, interesting. Both of them, you know, if everything goes as per the plan, you know, you might be able to see it. Uh, I think the biz DevOps getting released in November and uh, the Align one getting released in December. Really looking forward to them. Please keep in touch so that we know that they're out and we can definitely, you know, help you to promote and help others to get more details as to how these approaches can work in their scenarios. If people want to know more about you and what you do, how can they get in contact with you, Sanjay? Sure, at my pleasure, Shantan. So my email ID is Sanjay underscore Singh underscore 74 at yahoo.com. And my LinkedIn handle where I am, uh, you know, more active is www.linkedin.com slash Sanjay Singh Skilled Agile Coach. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us, Sanjay. We wish you all the best and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you so much, Chantel, for this wonderful conversation. I feel privileged answering these questions and talking about, you know, what I have done and what I'm going to do in the future. I hope the audience would find this conversation equally helpful. And I look forward to our next conversation soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. I hope this conversation inspired you. If it did, hit the subscribe button. Share this with your network and the people who think like you do. Together, we'll build the tribe of the future. Once per month, we will be featuring tribe members who have interesting stories to tell. Be sure to follow us on LinkedIn and to claim your free membership on tribeagile.com for member-only exclusives. I'm Chantal Janor. See you next time.